This is Seeking Alpha's Investing Experts Podcast. I'm Rob Isbitz, a Seeking Alpha contributor under the profile SunGuard Investment Publishing. With my friend Matthew Tuttle of Tuttle Capital Management, a fellow Seeking Alpha contributor and a highly experienced trader and ETF innovator, joins me again. First, tell me what you're seeing. You know, up until, you know, sometime around the beginning of August, I was perfectly happy you know, holding lots of long positions overnight because you'd wake up the next morning and you'd see, okay, you know, the positions I held overnight are up. This is great. And you start off the day with, you know, green. And that's always a good way to start off the day. Now, I'm pretty much most days not holding anything overnight long. Um, you know, well, that's, not, a, that's, a, that's a sign right there. Yes. Right. Um, you know, not really holding much of anything short overnight either. Um, you know, just because I just get the sense that one of these mornings we're going to wake up and there's going to be stimulus somewhere in the world or, or something and the markets are big green. And, and that's the big save. And that, right, we talked about this uh, on, our, on our last uh, episode that, that there's always that chance. And that's why you can't be a black or white investor. You have to kind of be shades of gray, uh, but, but that doesn't mean you can count on that. The mistake that investors make, and I see it in the comments section, Seeking Alpha and Twitter and everywhere else, ah, don't worry about it, the Fed will come in and save it. Well, that works until the one time it doesn't, and then you've changed your lifestyle <laughs> because your portfolio you know, is, is uh, you know has has, has been uh, has been crushed and and it's just you know it happens too quickly, right? So you know from from my standpoint, I've moved into read and react mode. Let the market open. You know, I've got my watch list of stuff I'm looking at, and I read and react to what the market is telling me and take advantage of those opportunities and wait. You know, if we get into a bear market, then I'll be holding short positions overnight. If, you know, this is just, you know, if we're sideways or if this is, you know, just a correction, then yeah, I'll stick and read and react. And if we go back into bull mode, I'll hold long positions overnight. But right now, you know, I'm seeing a very uncertain market environment that, you know, I don't want to have exposure overnight if I can avoid it. Mm-hmm. And now, so let me let me draw folks out beyond the you know sort of uh, a, a day trade or you know very short term holding period because I, I'm a bit longer than that. At the same time, hey, risk happens fast, right? So here's what I see watching this pretty closely, and you, you develop a memory, but then you go back and you look at your charts and you say, hey, wait a minute. You know, is is this is this some history rhyming or even repeating going on? So I look back. There are three different. I mean, here we are in August, right? There are three different periods in which this August September time frame has either been or led directly to a past stock market wreck. Probably the most famous one to those of us who go back that far is 1987. A sharp dip in August, a correction, you would call it, a quick recovery, and then a crash in October, 23% in one day. Remember, like yesterday, the difference between 
1987 and today, oh my God, do we have the tools to be able to capitalize, not just defend, but to capitalize. Uh, the one that probably looks the most like what's going on right now uh, is uh, the year 2000. That was the first of three down years for the S&P 500. Right around September 1st, or right around this time of year, it went from a kind of risky market that wouldn't break to a decline of over 40% over the next two and a half years. Uh, so again, kind of rhymes with what we've seen so far this year. Uh, a lot of things that make you scratch your head. Uh, you know, why is the market still staying up, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, then eventually you get your answer. It just wasn't time. Uh, and then the last one, we have to go all the way back to last year. Uh, I had forgotten this, frankly, but in August and September of last year, the S&P went from 4,300 to 3,600. So if you said to me, Rob, is there any chance that in the next few months, we could see the October lows, 3,600, uh, tested and maybe even broken? I'd say, heck yeah, there's a chance. Uh, what is driving all this to me? Well, who knows? It could be this stuff out of uh, China and Japan. It could be the fact that the 10-year treasury is at 4.3%, and that is a very significant number uh, going back to the periods I just mentioned. It could be something that Goldman uh, said yesterday about zero DTE options, which I think you mentioned in our very first podcast. Those are creating havoc for market makers, accentuating a lot of these sharp S&P declines. That sounds like 1987 to me. Um, so to me, we had happy times for most of the year, making light of a lot of the present dangers. Uh, it's now descended into you know, very narrow leadership. Uh, uh, greed at very high levels. If you look at the CNN greed uh, fear indicator, uh, which I do, um, and you know now we've got the possibility of global dis uh, disruption, uh, and it becomes an excuse really to to dump stocks. Uh, China's economic weakness, a lot of confusion there. Japan's central bank uh, kind of losing its grip, and the yen is fading. So all I'm saying, Matthew Tuttle, is that. It's, it's all set up for one of those times. And even if it doesn't happen, every investor, regardless of your time frame, has to at least be cognizant and needs to be focused on, okay, how do I apply it to what my own investment mission is? Yeah, so a couple of things there. And you know, I think every investor, regardless of what type, has to be cognizant that the sentiment in this market has changed. What that means, who knows, but for right now, the sentiment has changed. The only thing I would take the other side on what you said is I don't pay attention to history, except from the standpoint of always understanding that whatever you're sitting there saying that could never happen, yes, it can because if you've been around as long as we have, you've seen negative oil. <laughs> you've seen flash crashes. You've seen blue chip stocks opening up down 60%. Uh, you've seen Black Monday. You've seen you know, a, a, a credit crisis where it looked like the US was going under. I mean, we've seen all those things. So the one thing we know is if I'm sitting here looking at a possible trade, 
looking at my downside and thinking, oh, no, that couldn't happen. I got to slap myself in the face and be like, yeah, I mean, you know, anything can happen here. Beyond that, I think markets, the one thing that never changes is human nature. I mean, human nature never changes. So, you know, that's the one constant. That, that's why the history, to me, that's why the history is so important. Why it isn't to me is structure changes. So you mentioned, for example, zero DTE. I don't know what impact zero DTE is having on this market, but I suspect it's having an impact, which means that if I'm trying to compare a market with zero DTE options to 1987, there are just such structural differences that, you know, I don't want, you know, because I'll, I'll see articles like, hey, the last eight times the market did this, you know, it did this afterwards. You mean, I don't, you mean, you mean, you mean like the yield curve uninverting, which is uh, slowly starting to happen? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. You just see these articles like the market just did this. The last eight times it did this, it did this. I don't want investors sitting there saying, oh, OK, great. Well, because it did this the last eight times, then it's going to do this time number nine. Well, but the last eight times may have been in a structurally different market. This market is different. You've got to play it according to what you're seeing, not based on what some article tells you is likely to happen because it happened in 1987. Point taken. In 1987, okay, it was what they call portfolio insurance, which uh, time limits, uh, time limits and, and we don't want everybody to fall asleep and turn off. Uh, but anyway, it, it accentuated the declines, okay? We've had other things like that, okay? Zero DTE, these, these crazy, you know, really short-term options. Look, the, the, what, what does not change is that things come along that have the potential to short-circuit the system. And uh, I'm certainly not the first one to warn about this, especially this year. Uh, but again, human nature does repeat itself, like you said. So it's not the same thing. It's just a different version of the same thing. And look, when it comes to eight times at a, you know, in a row, okay, all I'm saying to any investor listening to this is that if you know something has happened eight times in a row, and this might be the ninth, don't automatically assume it's going to happen. But also don't say, ah, I don't even want to know why the other eight times happened. I'm going to close kind of my thoughts here uh, and then invite you to do the same by giving you just a few examples. Three ETFs that if investors are not familiar with, okay, I'm not telling you to buy them. I'm not telling you to do anything other than understand that there's this whole aspect of the markets that can protect or can be used to profit. Look, if we go into another, theoretically, three years of decline in the stock market, okay, like 2001-02 and really early 03 as well, uh, it would be nice if you knew that there was something that for every year the market kept going down, this piece of your portfolio would be going up. Well, I have three of them that are, let's say, among the more prominent ones in the single inverse ETF world. And this is where I always educate investors to start their research. Uh, one is SH. It does the opposite of what the S&P does. It's got a lot of caveats. Read, research, make your own decisions. 
SH is the symbol, it's the minus one S&P 500. PSQ is the minus one, NASDAQ 100, and TBF, certainly one that I own a good chunk of these days. Uh, matter of fact, I, I, through options or through those inverse ETFs, I, I've, I've got pretty hefty position all three. What does TBF do? It takes the 20 to 30 year treasury and it shorts it. And uh, which means that if uh, 4.3 for the 10 year, okay, and it's the 20 and 30 year reacting similarly, if you see a thing fly and interest rates all of a sudden are up another percent or two over the next several months, okay, this thing will rip the way it did in 2022. I will also tell you just at a little more granular level, um, uh, and everything I'm about to mention here, I probably own either a small or growing uh, put position on or an inverse ETF, but again, time limits. Uh, we can always go into these or take questions from folks, uh, you know, hit, hit us up on the comments. Um, uh, I think Apple, Meta, and Tesla all look absolutely gosh darn awful. And uh, I think it's very, very possible that those are, are going to roll over hard. Uh, the banking and the housing stocks look terrible to me. And uh, again, to sum up, it's like all the things that people have worried about all year, but then saw those worries quickly go away because you had more FOMO, you had AI hype. It's all now coming back at once, kind of like the night of the living dead trades. And with that, tell me what you think. We'll close out. Yeah, so a couple things. You know, first, one, one of the things you said, like, I don't know, four hours ago in your diatribe, you mentioned something about following what everyone else is doing. And I am a huge believer that the conventional wisdom is neither. If, if it was, then the Forbes 400 would be the Forbes 40,000. There's a reason it's the Forbes 400. And my guess is if you weren't born with it, then the reason you made that list is because you did something different than what other people were doing. And that is extremely important in investing. You know, the areas I would be looking at, I think you mentioned some of them. Um, you know, if, if this market takes a, you know, another leg lower, rates are going up, you know, commercial real estate, regional banks, home builders are going to go down at some point. I'm just hoping it's in my lifetime. And I'm hoping they're, they're still on my watch list when they go down because things have a nasty way of I'm watching them for three weeks waiting for the downturn. Then I finally remove them from my watch list. And that's the day they tank. So hoping that doesn't happen with home builders and, and I'm around for that. But those are the three areas that, you know, that I am shorting intraday. Um, don't have the guts yet to, to hold them overnight. But, you know, typically just about every day I've got a short position in, you know, either regional banks, REITs or home builders. Sometimes I think yesterday we had short positions in all three. Um, you know, today early I was short the regional banks. I actually flipped long. I'm not going to hold that overnight. Uh, it just looked like they bounced. Um, but that's what I'd be looking at. There's not that much difference, not as much as you would think between what Matthew just said about looking at very, very short-term charts, uh, the rules of charting, uh, at least according to me, uh, and I think according to you, 
They do apply very similarly, even if you're looking at a different time frame. it's just that it all happens so much faster. So you can look at daily, weekly chart, um, uh, you know, the same way you can look at a five minute, 10 minute, you know, half hour chart, and you're looking for the same thing. It's just that maybe in the very short term, it's a little less reliable uh, than let's say if you're going out to weeks at a time. Uh, so I, I, I disagree from the reliable standpoint. You know, you're, you're looking for the same thing. You're looking for the same patterns. With, so, you know, I look at daily and I look at five minutes. And for me to take a five minute, you know, a chart on a, or trade on a five minute chart, that I'm going to hold for any period of time, the daily chart has to agree. Um, but I'm looking for the same patterns. I think you get a lot, a lot more noise on a five-minute chart than you do on a daily chart. So you may see a yeah, move that, on a five-minute really chart. That's really what I was saying. Right. Yes. Yeah, you may see a move on a five-minute chart where you're looking at it, you're like, oh my God, look at that move. And then you zoom out to a daily chart and you're like, yeah, all right. <laughs> that really in the whole scheme of things was nothing. But on my five minute chart, it looks like, you know, the, the, you know, the floor just fell out on that name. Yeah, see, the, the difference for me is, you know, I look at five minute, 10 minute charts when I've already decided I am buying this, I am buying it today or selling it. Uh, and it's just a matter of can I squeeze the best price out of it, uh, you know, in the granular, whereas you're doing it as kind of a, uh, it's your daily routine, and I just I just want to explain to folks that that's kind of that's kind of the 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 di the, uh, the the difference. And actually, it's not that different. So I'll I'll construct my watch list off daily charts, and I will do my entries on the five minute chart. So not that different. Yep. Uh, thanks for listening to the Investing Experts podcast. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice of any sort. At times, myself, Rob Isbitz, and my co-pilot here, Matthew Tuttle, or any of the guests we may have on may own positions in the securities mentioned. You can follow me on Seeking Alpha under the profile name Sungarden Investment Publishing. Matthew Tuttle's Seeking Alpha profile name is Tuttle Capital Management. We also invite you to join the thousands of people who follow the Investing Experts podcast on Seeking Alpha, where you'll find full transcripts for all episodes. To take advantage fully of Seeking Alpha, become a premium subscriber. You can learn more at seekingalpha.com slash subscriptions. See you next time.